Yeah, good morning. Today's daf is daf Kufmem Gimel. We're going to go from the about seventh last line of Kufmem Beis and we base 142b. Um, today's shir is Leilu Nishmas, um, Yoel Hillel Ben Ruvain, and Chanabas Ruvain. It is also Hayelet Shmuel Shnir Zalman Ben Alexander Zev Halevi and Ben Sion Ben Zev Avram Halevi. May all their, may their memories be a blessing. Um, okay, so yesterday we were discussing that what if someone left like their wallet or something valuable out in their courtyard and they want to get it inside so that it's safe, what can they do? Again, we were discussing something that is Muktza Machmas, um, I mean the examples given were Muktza Machmas Kufa, but let's see. So we're going to bring a few other Amorayim who used to, it seems like they used to rely on the Heter, that if you have something Muktza and you want to move it, put something non-Muktza on it, take some uh, roll or a loaf of bread, and then you can move the Muktza because you want to take the loaf of bread inside. That was, and Rav Ashi said you actually can't rely on that. The only time that Chazal were lenient and allowed you to do that was for a mace. Now we're going to see some, as I said, some Amorayim that seem to go against that and then change their mind. Oh, one further note. I'm going to try, I mean, they're all long dafim around this. I looked, I looked ahead. They're quite long dafim, but I'm going to try get a little bit ahead because of Tisha B'Av. So we won't have to have an extra sheer and we won't have to think, but over the next week, I'm going to be trying to do a bit more than a daf a day. But we'll see, I'll see how it goes, because as I said, they're quite long up. So Abaya Monach Kappa Kifei, Abaya would put a spoon on, a, on sheaves. He wanted to remove these bundles around, so he'd put a spoon on them to move them. Rava Monach Sakira Abar and Rava would put um, a knife on this raw dove meat, Umatal Tolai, and then move it to somewhere else. Do these youngsters think they're so smart? Um, interesting, Rabbi Yosef was the Rebbe, Abai and Rova were his students. So like, they, think they, they think they're smart. He says, This that the Rabbis allow you to move Muktzah in this way by putting something non Muktzah on them is only where you forgot it there. It just happens and now you really need to move it. But are you allowed to do that like you got some stuff in your fridge you want to move around and it's Muktzah or where it was placed in your fridge to store it. You're not allowed to go ahead and do it. It's only where you forgot it in some way that it shouldn't be. So Omar Abaya, Abaya explained, he says, He says, I don't hold this muks at all, and if I wasn't an Adam Choshev that people looked up to me, I wouldn't even use the spoon. He says, These sheaves were fit or used for sitting on or leaning on. And they were kind of like scatter, they were used kind of like scatter cushions, or just as chairs, and therefore they're not muktzah. I just put the spoon on to add a fact in case pe- so people don't get the wrong idea. And Omar Rava Rava says, I wasn't such a distinguished person. Why would I need to put a knife on this baryona? I can eat it raw. Okay, so Rava, so what's Rava saying again? This is that I'd put the knife on the raw meat. I just have to explain this a bit clearer for the next one. This is that I'd put the, the knife on the raw meat. It's because I, firstly, just putting a knife on something that's not mukta because you want to move it is not necessarily a good solution. It doesn't help, as Rav Yosef points out. Rava holds that raw meat is not mukta because he can eat it. I, it's fit for a person. 
He says, oh, why did he put the knife on it then to move it around? Because he didn't want people to see him moving something that many people might have seen Mukta. Okay, now the Gemara is going to ask, remember we've seen this Machlokas a few times, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda. If you have, Rabbi Yehuda always goes strict with Mukta. So he holds, if you have something that is for people, but it might be used for animals, like really animals can eat any raw meat, then it is still Mukta. And Rabbi Shimon holds, no, as long as it has some use, even if it's an unlikely use, it would not be mukta. Now, what did Rava say about this meat? Why did he say it's not mukta? He didn't say it's not mukta because I can feed it to an animal. He said it's not mukta because I can eat it. So the Gemara asks, he says, This that Rava said it wasn't mukta was because he could eat it raw. A person could eat it raw. Implying that if it could not be eaten raw... Granted, it could be eaten raw by an animal. This implies that Rava holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Again, because according to Rabbi Shimon, raw meat is never mukta, just about never mukta, because it could theoretically be eaten by an animal. According to Rabbi Yehuda, if it's unlikely, you have a fancy steak in the freezer or the fridge that you're planning to um, bra after Shabbos. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it's mukta because you would not eat it raw. And granted, your dog would happily eat it. It's unlikely that you're going to feed an expensive steak to your dog. But, and that's why Rav had to come along and say, it's fit for me. I would eat it raw. That's why it's not mukta. says, but we'll see where Rav seems to imply otherwise. says, Rav says, prepare, this is on Yom Tov. says, roast for me this goose and throw the innards to a cat. To my cat. It says, now again, you have that same problem. Wait. The innards, the whole goose as it was, was human food. And now that you've separated these innards, they're not fit for a human. They're only fit for an animal. So that's noilad. That's a new, it's got a new status. It should be also, it should be mukta, if he holds like Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi Shimon's the one who permits noilad. So the Gemara says, no, since raw meat is... Um, since no, since these intestines rot, start to go bad as soon as you separate them from the animal, he knows when he's preparing the, the when he sets aside this duck on erev yomtiv to use on yomtiv, he has in mind that those innards are going to go to his cat, because he knows that they're not going to last till after yomtiv, and he's thought about it, so it's, that's why it's not mukta, it's not noilad. It's also logical to assume that Rava holds like Rabbi Yehuda. A woman's not allowed to enter the wood store to take a poker from there, to take a stick to use to stoke the fire, etc. Now, why would that be? Because they designated for fuel, not for kalim. It says, and a poker. Shenishbar, that's broken. Also, you're not allowed to use it for fuel on Yomtev. Because you can use Kalim as, as fuel, but you can't use broken Kalim. Again, this is Rabbi Yudah. If you have a chair or a bowl, you have a wooden bowl. 
If you want to throw that in the fire, it's not muktzah. So if you want to throw it in the fire for fuel, you can. But if that bowl breaks, it's no longer a bowl. It's now just firewood. So it's noilad. It's a new status. It went from a bowl to firewood. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, that, which is how Rav is paskening, it is also to use on Yom Tov as firewood. Shmamina, we see very conclusively that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, next Mishnah. Beishama, um, again in regards to the Hilchas Mukta. Next Mishnah says, Beishama, Oimrima, Virin me, Ala Shulchanat, Somos, Viklifin, Ubeisil, Oimrima, Salik, as a tabla Kulamanara. Beishama, I say, if you want to remove bones or peels and nut, uh, shells from the table, you can just remove them. Beisil will say, no, you have to remove the tabla and shake it off. The equivalent of take the tablecloth off and shake them off. I, these bones, you, you ate chicken and now you got bones on the plate, or you peeled fruit or nuts or something and you've got these shells and peels on the table. They're mukta. They're not usable anymore on Shabbos. So Beishamai say you can move them directly. So yeah, they're the lenient. And Beishilo say no, you have to pick up the tablecloth or they used to have a board under their tables. Remember their tables, they used to each have their own small table. So they put a board under it so that the crumbs and stuff fell on it. But Beishilo say you have to take that board, the equivalent of the tablecloth and shake them off. You can't actually handle the mukta. Very interesting. We see Beis Shammai is more lenient than Beis Hila. We'll come back to that in the Gemara. Then the Gemara says a new point. You can remove bread from the table that is less than a Kazayas. And pods of peas and lentils because it's fitting for animals. Again, it's not muktza because animals can eat them. It seems like also that's the same reason why you can remove the bread, the small pieces of bread, less than a size, is because they are fit for animals. Um, then, last case of the Mishnah, Sofug, again, it seems once we're discussing rules regarding the table, I mean, up to here it's been two halachas regarding muktza, we're now going to mention another rule, we're discussing wiping off and cleaning the table. Another halacha regarding cleaning the table. It says, a sponge. If it has a leather handle, you can wipe the table with it. Obviously a wet sponge. And if not, you would not be allowed to wipe with it. Either way, it's not really muksa the sponge. And it is also not makabal tuma. So just a few quick points. A sponge, what would be the problem with using a sponge on Yom Tov or on Shabbos? When you pick it up, you're going to do schitter. You're going to squeeze out the water from it when you pick it up. That's, uh, that's the Isur. Um, if it has a handle, it's not such a problem. We'll discuss that shortly. And either way, it's not really mukta because it's a kli. This sponge that you use for cleaning stuff is a kli. Remember, kalim don't get a high level of mukta. Um, and then the third point is, Rashi points out, because there's only certain types of things that become tome. Cloth, wood, stone, metal, etc. doesn't mention in the Chumash that a sponge becomes tome. So sponges do not become tome. Um, now, just the interesting point, why can't you pick up a sponge? So as I said, Rashi here says, because when you pick it up, you'll end up squeezing it out. The Raman basically says the same as Rashi. They might have learned it as a different av, stemming from a different av melacha. I don't want to go there, but they both learn it. Says the Ravid asks a very interesting question on uh, 
on, on the Rambam, but it would then turn out to be also a question on Rashi. He says, but how does a handle help? If the concern is that when you pick it up, your hands are going to squeeze it out, well, when you, you pick it up by the handle and you wipe down on the table with it, you're also going to end up squeezing the water in the sponge out. So how does it help whether it has a handle or not? So therefore he asks, he says, rather a sponge with the handle has a similar halacha to a bucket. So what, what are we saying? It's made to pick up water and get water out, pick up water and get water out. Amazing idea. Um, there are different ways of explaining what does he mean it's like a bucket, but I thought the interesting one is the Chazanish says, we know that putting a door, opening and closing a door should be boine. It should be a very strict level of boine. Because what are you doing? You're taking this wooden board, fixing it in, and even if you turn the handle or, or the lock mechanism clicks, you're fixing it into the wall. It should be boine. But since it's made to open and close, and that's what it's used for consistently, it's not considered boine. And so similarly, you can say by this, the, the Ravid is saying by the sponge, when you pick up the water in the sponge with the handle, and you pour or squeeze it out, up and in and out, in and out, it's not made to hold the water in it. It's, sorry, it's not made like, it's made like a bucket more, that the water is supposed to come in and out, which again is, remember, the one way of learning schritte is mefarek. That's how the Rambam learns it, not Arashi, but Rambam learns it's mefarek, which is threshing. You get what you want out from the, you get the kernel out from the chaff, or you squeeze the juice out of the fruit. We'll see that over the page. Um, but that's, so that's not a problem of, um, so with the sponge, it's not a problem. Because um, it's made to fill up and squeeze the water out, fill up, squeeze the water out, so it's not a not doesn't fall under mafarik. Um, yeah, there are other explanations, but an interesting ramification of this could be, let's say, brushing your teeth. Now, not everyone holds, since the bristles are quite thick and more plasticky, many hold that brushing your teeth is not an issue of schitta. But there are those who hold it is still a problem of schitta because the water gets trapped between the bristles. Now, granted, it's got a handle. You hold it by the toothpaste. You don't hold it by the spongy part. According to the Rambam and Rashi, well, if you push it down to squeeze out the juice, you brush your teeth hard, could be a problem of schitta. It could be the same as picking up the sponge by your hand if you're going to push hard with the handle. But according to the Ravid, since the toothbrush is made to get water in and take it out and get water in and dry it out, and you know, then it wouldn't be a problem to use. Okay, from that aspect, that could just be one interesting ramification of this discussion. Okay, the Gomorrah says, so we interestingly mentioned regarding removing bones and nuts and shells and peels. Once they've been used on Shabbos, they mutza, because what are you going to use the bone for now? So, and we said, Beishama were lenient and said you can move them directly. And Beishila were strict and said, no, you have to move them indirectly by like shaking off the tablecloth. So, Rav Nachman says, we actually have it the other way around, that Beis Shammah is like Rabbi Yehuda and goes strict, and Beis Hillel is like Rabbi Shimon and goes lenient. The Machlokes, but Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon that we just mentioned, when you have a chicken on the bone, it's human food. When you cut off all the chicken and you eat it and you just left with the bone, it's now animal food. Well, if it's animal food, um, 
then according to Rabbi Shimon, it's mutar, it still has a purpose. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it's not. So Rabbi Nachman saying, switch it around and learn Beis Hillel as the lenient opinion. Everyone points out that, interesting enough, in Edios, it lists all the cases. Yeah, it lists all the cases that Beis Shama is more lenient than Beis Hillel because it's not so common in Shas that Beis Shama is more lenient. And this is not one of them. So that's why Rav Nachman must have, uh, Rav Nachman must have learned like that Gomorrah and learned that it's supposed to be the other way around. Then it says, You can remove these small crumbs from the table as long as they're not less than a Rabbi Yochanan says that if you have these um, even if you have bread that is less than a kazayis you're not allowed to actively destroy it. Rashi points out it's because it says Mavirin you can move them from the table. It doesn't say you can chuck them in the dustbin or something like that. It just says you can move them from the table. So Rabbi Yochanan is quite strict with how you have to treat bread. He says even small pieces you're not allowed to destroy. Um, obviously the other opinion would hold if they're less than a kazais. It's now already animal food and you could destroy it. Okay, Tosas learned differently but I think let's go on. Shar Seyar Shel Afunim Pods, we said uh, pea pods or lentil pods. They can also be, since they fit for an animal. It says, Mani, who's the author? Who's the author who would hold? Granted, again, you have peas, so you break open the pod, you take the peas out, and you leave the pod. Now the pod becomes animal food. A person's not going to eat it anymore. So who's the author who would say that the pods become animal food, but they're not mutza? It says, Mani, Rabbi Shimon, it must be Rabbi Shimon who doesn't hold for this mutza. I'm a safer, but what about the second clause? We said regarding a sponge that if it has a handle, you can use it to wipe the table, but if not, you cannot use it to wipe down the table. must be Rabbi who says something that is not intended is also. Because again, what's your intent when you pick up this wet sponge? To wipe the table down is not to do schitta. Now, this is a machloik as we've seen many times in, the, in Shas. If you're doing a permitted act, for example, wiping down the table, but the isur will result, Rabbi Yehuda says, that's a dover shanim is coming. Rabbi Yehuda says it's also. And it says here, we're not allowed to use a sponge unless it has a handle that it's not going to be squeezed out. So, how does that? So, we seem to switch from Rabbi Shimon to Rabbi Yehuda. That's strange. So, the Gomorrah answers, no. Says, no, in this case, Rabbi Shimon would agree because Rabbi Shimon agrees in a psikresha. When you pick up a wet sponge, you are definitely going to squeeze out some of the liquid. And therefore, it's a psikresha. And everyone, Rabbi Shimon agrees to Rabbi Yehuda where it's definitely going to happen, then you're still not allowed to do it. Um, okay. Honey, Garidim, the Tamri. If you have um, the the uh, the pips from Armenian dates, you can move them because they fit from their mother. Interesting enough, they were never really Armenian dates are bad quality. Therefore, they never really fit for a human. They're always animal food. So just as the date was animal food, the pit is animal food. Persian dates also the pits become also because the Persian dates are for humans so the date it's human food as soon as he's eaten it and he's left with the pit it's now changed to animal food 
So therefore it's mukta according to Rabbi Yudah. Shmuel matatlu agav rifta. Shmuel would move it through. If he needed, he had all these pits on front of him and he wanted to get them off the table, he would put a piece of bread on them and move them. And Shmuel the time, Adam Shmuel, Isa Adam called Sarukha Bapas. And Shmuel is going to his understanding that you can do whatever you need with bread. There are many opinions that you're not allowed to do something that makes bread inedible. The other opinions that hold you not. Shmuel says, no, if you need the bread for a purpose like here, you can. If you put this bread on these date seeds, these date pips, which is going to make the bread yuck, you're ruining the bread. Shmuel says there's no problem because that's what you need the bread for. Um, other opinions regarding this. Rava Matatalul Agav Lakanya Damaya Rava would move it using a bucket of water. I he'd put the pit straight into a bucket of water. Then there's... Heter and Isur move together so you can remove it from the table. Rafuna Braid Rav Yeshua, Ovid Luhuka Grafshal Rei. Rafuna Braid Rav Yeshua treated it like a Grafshal Rei. We know, we've learned elsewhere that there's certain things that are Muktza, but because of their repulsiveness, you're allowed to remove them from the room. That's the classic. Grafshal Rei is a chamber pot. So you need to go sit in your lounge and there's a chamber pot there. Granted, it's Muktza, you're allowed to move it out. So, or you want to go to your bedroom and there's a chamber pot there and it's not nice to stay there, so you can move the chamber pot out. So he says, so to these, the dirt, the, the bones, the nuts, it's, the pips, the peels of fruit that get left on the table while you want to sit there, have the same status as Graf Shorei. You can't set up a scenario that you're going to have to remove it because of Graf Shorei. How can you allow you to spit out all these pits onto the table? When in the end you're causing a grafshal raid. Rav Sheshes Zorik Luba the Shinner, Rav Sheshes would sp- uh, spit them out. Rav Papa Zorik Lachure Hamita, Rav Papa would move them behind the bed, would spit them behind his couch. Remember, they used to lie on the couches in front of the little uh, tables. And Omru Alaval Rabbi Zachariah ben Avkalos, they said about Rabbi Zachariah ben Avkalos, Shehoyo. Um, Shehoyo Masir Ponov Achure Hamita Vizorkon, he would turn his head and spit the date nuts, the, the pits, etc. behind his bed so that he didn't have to move them till much later. I don't know, we're quite lenient with removing bones. I'm not sure. Um, I must actually look into it. Why, like things that get left on the table, we're very lenient to remove them. I must check why. Um, do we paskin like Rabbi Shimon, that it's fit for an animal, so it's not muktzah? Do we paskin um, like these rabbis who hold you can? I have to look into it. Um, I meant to, but I forgot. Then, you know, just an interesting point. Rabbi Zechariah ben Afkalus, very relevant to the time we're learning now. He actually, here he sounds like a tanner that we bring in a quote from. He was on the Sanhedrin, but he's actually very infamous. You know the famous story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa? Remember when uh, Bar Kamsa went to the Roman officials and he told them, look, if you, the Jews are rebelling, if you try offer a sacrifice, they will refuse it. And he made a, a pinprick in the eyelid or whatever. He made it in Balmum, that Jews consider it a Balmum, but no non-Jew considers it a Balmum. And he brought it to the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin, well, we better offer it. If we don't offer it, the Romans are going to think we're rebelling and come and destroy Yerushalayim and the Beis Amidash. And what did Zechariah ben Abkulus was the one who says, no, then people are going to say you can offer a korban with a... Balmum. And every time the Sanhedrin came up with a solution, we better offer this korban. Zechariah ben Avkulus was the one who stood in the way and said, no, because people will say X. And they won't. And therefore they could not. Because of his, um, his position, they were not able to offer up that korban. 
And very sadly, we know how the story played out. The Romans said, oh, they're rebelling against us. And they went in and took their armies to go and destroy uh, Jerusalem and the base of Miglash. So that's the, uh, I'd say, infamous Zechariah ben Avkalus. It says, Mishum Anvanusan shall Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkalus, Kharav Yerushalayim and the base of Miglash. I don't remember the exact phrase, but because of the piety, the extreme piety, the and let's call it even the foolish piety of Zachary ben Avkulus, the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. So interesting, that's this Zachary ben Avkulus. Hadron Allah noitel Adam es beno. Hadron Allah noitel Adam es beno. Hadron Allah noitel Adam es beno. Okay, next Mishnah. Chavish and Ishbara metzilin aymenu mazon shalosh suros. If a wine breaks and the wine's pouring out, you're allowed to save three meals worth of wine. This is very similar to remember by a fire breaks out, you're allowed to save three meals worth of food from the fire. Um, again, the reasons there, which I think are the reasons here, a person gets in court, if you're allowed to save as much as you want, a person's going to get panicked and caught up in trying to save it. And here there are two problems brought. One is that he might end up carrying Kalim through the Rishus Aramim. He's like, quick, we've got to save this one, run, uh, run across the street and get some uh, bowls from them. So he'll come to carry. Or another concern brought is that you might actually try to fix you quickly trying to save the wine and you realize you're not managing so quickly try to fix the barrel we know you're not allowed to uh, fix the barrel so those are two concerns that's why they said you're only allowed to save three saudos worth and then you won't panic when you're saving it because you'll have saved as much as you can and you won't um, come to break Shabbos. You're also allowed to tell other people, come and save wine for yourselves, but you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to sponge it up. Again, because we're concerned about schita, uh, schita. You're not allowed to squeeze fruit to get the juice out of them. If the juice um, flowed from the fruit itself, it's asur. Almost like at the bottom of, a, we'll discuss it in more detail, but you know, at the bottom of a fruit salad. There's all that, well, sometimes people pour fruit juice, but often it's just the juice from the fruit. Or if you pile a whole lot of olives into a huge basket, it squashes itself and the juice comes out. So that's, according to the Tanakam, it's also Rebiura If you are keeping that food for drink, for eating, then the juices that come out are permitted. They're not forbidden on Shabbos. But if you were storing them for juice, are you planned on squeezing them? Then what comes out by themselves is Osur. The reason behind this is, if you, or the Tanakama holds in all cases, and Rabbi holds at the moment, and Rabbi holds specifically with this, um, um, uh, ones that are stored for drink, if it starts to squeeze and the juices are starting to come out, since that's what you want it for, or since that's what you could want it for, according to the Tanakama, you might come to squeeze it a little bit more or something like that. So that's the concern. You would not be allowed to take this juice that's squeezed out by itself because you might come to squeeze it a bit more yourself. Because remember, again, that's what you want, the liquids. Chalos um, Devash a new halacha regarding honeycomb. Sherisk on my Erev Shabbos, if they were crushed or cut up on Erev Shabbos, for Yotem Atme Masurin, and the wine comes out by, the honey comes out by itself, it's also Rabbi Eleazar Matur, and Rabbi Eleazar permits it. The reason behind this is very similar. I think we saw it earlier on in the Masechta. What's the, the problem with taking the, no, that's, that's removing honeycomb, but 
Um, I think they learned taking honey from honeycomb is similar to squeezing. It's I guess it's dash mafarek. It's squeezing the the juices out, and that is which is also in Shabbos. But what they would generally do is just break up the honeycomb, and then the honey would drip out by itself. Break up the wax, and the honey drips out by itself. Now, really, so that's mutar to have that honey on Shabbos. But there's a concern that maybe if you take some of that honey, you'll come to crush up, break up the honeycomb a bit more on Shabbos, and therefore it's also according to the Tanakhama to do that on Shabbos. Okay, now the Gemara is um, going to discuss these halachas in detail. You're not allowed to squeeze up one or yatpiach b'shemen. Because you couldn't, shouldn't collect these things, clean them up like you do in the weekday. Um, what, what it means, yitpach oil. let's say you've got some oil on the floor. So one of the easiest ways to get it up is wipe your hand through it and then wipe your hand on the side of the kli and the water rubs off your hand and drips into the kli. So that you're not allowed to do that on Shabbos and you're not allowed to scrape it up on Shabbos because it's the same way you do it as during the weekday. They're probably about four different, a few different ways in the Rishonim. What does it mean here? It's like the way you do it in the... In the weekday, but just one of them is it seems some. <coughs> oh, sorry, that's another one. <coughs> Yo, what's it looks like the way you would it looks like schitter, <coughs> and therefore it's what we would call uvda dochol. Toner abon in ispazru law peiros bechotzer malakat al yad al yad va'oichel. If you a whole lot of your fruit, so you had a box of apples and it broke open and spilt all over the courtyard. You not you can only pick them like little by little and eat them. You're not allowed to gather it in a basket or a box because that's how you so you don't do it in the same way you do it in the weekday. Sorry, this is where I saw uh, quite a few reasons why it's uvdu dechol. But one of the reasons suggested is it kind of looks like boira when you go pick something up from all the dirt. Again, it's not boira because picking up an uh, apple from the sand and stones and stuff is not. Boy rare. It's a big apple. It's not mixed in with them, but it looks like it. So if you go collect a whole lot to put in the basket, it looks like you're doing boy rare. So you can pick up a few to eat. Okay, but as I said, there are quite a few reasons why it's it's uvdu dechol. Then we said ein soich din you're not allowed to squeeze fruit. Now to understand the next Gemara, what the Gemara views, there's three types of fruit, three categories of fruit, and that's would determine how we the different categories are treated differently la The first category is olives and grapes. Olives and grapes which are set aside for their juice. They're primarily for their juice. Grapes are for wine and olives is for oil. They're primarily for the juice. There to squeeze them out is is, is osodoraisa and you would not be allowed to do that on Shabbos. Yeah, that's the strictest ever. On the other, the, the second level we're going to see is what we would call tutim and rimoinim, strawberries and pomegranates. It seems there, some people would use it for juice, some people would use them for eating. So they're only, we'll see, it's actually probably, according to many opinions, only it would bottom to squeeze them because that's not the usual way of doing it. And then the third category would be other fruits that are not really ever squeezed for juice. Okay, we'll discuss nowadays, but that's the, the Gomorrah is going on that premise. So again, you have olives and grapes, which are for their juice. You have tutim verimonim, which some people, some people, some people treat it as food, some people treat it as for its juice, keep it for its juice. And then there's all other fruit, which is specifically for eating.
So we're going to have four different opinions regarding this and Paskining in our Mishnah. Omar Rabbi Yehuda, Omar Shmuel, Rabbi Yudas, and Rabbi Shmuel, Moida Hoyer, Rabbi Yehuda, Lachachomim, Bezaisim, Vanovim. Rabbi Yehuda agrees with the Chachomim regarding olives and grapes. I, Rabbi Yehuda of the Mishnah, said that olive and grapes, whether you're keeping them for, even if you're keeping them for food, you would not be allowed to have the liquids. My time, given the Lizchitin, you know, since they designated two beasts today primarily to squeeze and get the juice out, Yohiv Daite, if he sees oil, granted he wanted to keep these olives to eat. If he sees the oil starting to flow, uh, to flow from them, he might change his mind. He is likely to change his mind and use them for oil. Second opinion. For Ula Amarav, Ula said, name of Rav, Cholokoy, Rabbi Yehuda, Ahpa Zaysimanovim. No, Rabbi Yehuda argues even on Zaysimanovim. He says, if you wanted to keep those olives to eat or the grapes to eat, not for their liquid, then it wouldn't be a problem. For Rabbi Yochanan Omar, Halokhak Rabbi Yehuda, Bishar Paris, Vain Halokhak Rabbi Yehuda, Bezaysimanovim. Rabbi Yochanan said, the halach is like Rebuda regarding other fruits. I, if they kept for food, you could eat the liquid, you could drink the liquid that flows from them on Shabbos. If they kept for the juice, then it would be osur. And the is not like Rebbe Yehuda Bezeisimanovim, i.e. that with Zeisimanovim, even if you planned on keeping it for food, any liquids that flow from them would be osur. Fourth version, and this is the one we're going to discuss in greater detail now. So Omar Rabba Omar Rabbi Yehuda Omar Shmuel Moide Hoya Rabbi Yehuda Lachachomim Bezaisim Vanovim Rabbi Yehuda agrees to the Chachomim regarding olives and grapes that the Schitte is the Oraisa. Now why are as we I touched on this but why are olives different? So Rashi seems to say Lavur Chayu says it over the page says it's not the normal ways to squeeze other fruits olives and Grapes, that is the norm to squeeze them, and therefore it's an isodoraisa. The run seems to say it's connected to, um, we know that, and this is going to become relevant a bit further down the page, we know that the, the Torah considers there seven drinks regarding Tumah. We know Yad Shachatam, Yayin, Dvash, Shemen, and Yayin or Shemen are the important ones for us, but Yayin, Shemen, um, Chalav, Milk. Um, dam, blood, and dam is um, what's the other yad? Shachat dam, dvash dam. Oh, tes is tal, and mem is um, mayim. Okay, so they're those. But of those seven liquids that can make something susceptible to tumor, the ones that are fruitos are oil and wine. So those are the only two that are really considered a liquid. That schitu would be a problem, doraisa. So that's why Rebut agrees to the Chachomim that it would be also doraisa to squeeze olives and grapes. And if they ask, and if the juice flows from them automatically, also dorabonon to use that juice on Shabbos. And the Chachomim agreed to Rebut Yehuda with all other peros. So Amalei Rabbi Yirmiyah le Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Yirmiyah said to Rabbi Abba, Elabah my pliki, so where are they arguing? If with Zaysim and olives, Rabbi Yehuda agrees to the sages, and with all other fruit, the sages agree to Rabbi Yehuda. 
what point are they arguing? So Amalei, he says, go and research it. You can come up with the answer yourself. So Amar Ramnach by Yitzchak, Ramnach by Yitzchak explained, Mistavret, logical betutim, very moinim pligi, they're arguing regarding strawberries and pomegranates. Titania, as we learned in Abraham, says, Zaysim shem moshach mehem shem, and if you have olives that the oil flows from, they're vanovim shem moshach mehem yayin, and grapes that the wine flows through them, and you collected them, bain la oichel, bain la mashkin ayotim and also, whether you collected them because you wanted to eat them or whether you were collecting them because you wanted to squeeze them, you wanted their liquids, they are also. The juice from strawberries and pomegranates. If you kept them for food, you can keep the liquids that flow from them because you're unlikely to come to squeeze it. You were planning on having those strawberries for this fruit salad, not for strawberry juice. But if you kept them for juice, or for no intent at all, you just put them aside. What comes out of them is also a contributor. Whether it comes out, whether you kept it for food or whether you kept it for drink, it's the juice that flows from them is Osur. Okay, so... Um, the Chachomim hold basically that since many people do use strawberries and pomegranates for their juice, it would be a problem to keep them with their juice because someone might change their mind and start to squeeze them. Rebuta says no, since so many of them primarily used as food, even though a lot of people use them for liquids, it would be a problem to... Uh, um, uh, there's no concern that if someone kept it for food, that he's going to change his mind. Okay, just before we go further, let's quickly restart this meeting. Okay, so in short, and this is basically our Shulchan Aruch Paskins, to squeeze olives and grapes is an Isodoraisa. And therefore everyone agrees that any juice that flows from them would be Osur on Shabbos. So you had a bowl of olives that you planned on eating, but some of the juice squeezed out on them, on some of the oil squeezes out of them on Shabbos, it would be also to use that juice on Shabbos. Then there's the second category, Tutim Verimonim, which is, it's not so usual, they're not really specifically designated for their juice, therefore it would be also Durabonin to squeeze them, and we Paskin like Rabbi Yehuda, that the juice is Mutar if it came out on Shabbos by itself. And then all other fruits that are not hardly ever, ever used for their liquids, even besides for the fact that, I don't know if it's Isodrabonin or not to squeeze them on Shabbos, but at worst it would be Isodrabonin, but definitely the juice, yeah, must be it's Muta Lechatchila, but the juice and the juice that comes from them is obviously permitted. Permitted. What a, a big question, what about nowadays? Well, there's two aspects to this question. What about nowadays that we have, let's say, oranges? I would not, many people say, look, I haven't looked into the numbers, that there are more oranges or there are specific forests or areas where the oranges are specifically grown for their juice. So does that make them fall into the categories of grapes and olives or not? Yeah. So, yeah, so, but at least, at least we know that there are many, many grapes and the Gomorrah always says that grapes are for drinking, but yeah, you could ask it the other way around. So that's one question. How would we treat like olives or something, uh, oranges or something like that grown for 
drinking, grown specifically for drinking, and it's not like a small amount. It's large, large, large quantities of olives, of oranges are grown for drinking. And that's the one question. And then the second question we have to clarify is, what about, nowadays you can get, you go to the shops, and every single fruit you can find as a fruit juice. There's pineapple juice, there's guava juice, there's strawberry juice, there's carrot juice, tomato juice. Um, so there's every single type of juice you can think of. So does that make all, basically all, I don't know if you can think of any examples, but basically does that make all our Shire Peros fall into the category of, um, fall into the category of other produce? Okay, um, yeah, so now as I mentioned, I'd like to try and get a little bit ahead over the next few days, do a bit more than a duck this week because of Tisha B'Av. So let's start the next piece. Now, we mentioned in this Brysa that Rabbi Yehuda said regarding Tutin Virimoinim, this middle category, if you keep it for food, then some of, if some of the juice drips out of it, you can use that juice on Shabbos. But if you kept it for drink, are you were going to, you planned on squeezing them, or stum, I unspecified, you just had a bowl of strawberries, you hadn't decided what you were going to use it for, that's also as if you kept it for drink and also. The Gamora is now going to, quite a tricky little piece, but to see, does Rabbi Yehuda really hold that stum is also? For Sova, Rabbi Yehuda, stum also? Would Rabbi Yehuda really hold that stum is also? I should just have a bowl of strawberries. That's as if you're keeping them for drink, even though you didn't specify. It says, Vahot, tonight we learned to the Mishnah. Now remember, this is as we mentioned earlier in Shir, that there's seven liquids that make other foods susceptible to tumor. So he says, we, now we're going to, so this is going to touch on that. So breast milk is can make items susceptible to tumor, whether it comes out, she wants it to come out, I to feed a child, or it comes out, it just drips out, she doesn't want it to come out. Milk from an animal only makes things susceptible to tumor if it comes out when you want it to come out. If breast milk, which is specific for little children, it's not for anyone, it's just for little children, and it can make things susceptible to tumor, or it can become tumor whether it comes out when you want it or whether she wants it or not, then animal's milk, which is for um, children and adults, it should definitely make them susceptible to tumor whether she wants it to come out or not. So Omru Loi, the sages responded to him. Now, just before we go into this proof, just the background we need to know this is that the sage's response to Rabbi is dam is one of the seven liquids that make things susceptible to tumor. This is, however, only the dam of a person, not the dam of an animal. And it is also, unlike the other, other types of liquids that, has, that the Rabbonin hold only if they come out when the, if the person's happy with the liquid, dam is hechshel whether the person's happy with it or not. So whether he's happy with his that he's got this bleeding cut, cut or not, that dam can make things susceptible to tumor. And we've also learned in the Gomorrah Nida that, uh, that milk is a product of dam, either blood 
goes through a process and changes into the milk. So Amrulai the sage said to Rabbi Kiva, Im tome tome. This that a woman's milk can become tome even when she doesn't want it is because it's from the blood of the womb uh, of a wound. Why would you say the milk of an animal can become tome? when you don't want that milk to come out, Shedama gave the Torah, where the blood of a wound of an animal is Tahar. It's almost this that you're right. In general, they would not be... Um, lick, these liquids would not be able to make other things uh, susceptible to tumor unless you were happy they were there. Just breast milk, woman's milk, is an exception because it comes... It's the same as blood of a wound, which only applies to the wound. So, Amalahem Rabbi Akiva responded... I think milk is stricter than dam, than blood. If someone um, milks his animal for the animal's refua, that milk is tar. But if you blood let the animal for refua, it's tar. That blood is tar. So what do we see? That milk is actually stricter, sorry, that milk is stricter, more connected to tumor than blood and therefore if you want to tell me that the milk of a woman can become tomei baraton or shaloi baraton i would say so too by everything else that it's shaloi baraton or baraton now omruloi the sages said to rabbi kiva baskets of olives and grapes will show us that that's not so i that we do distinguish between whether you wanted the liquid or you didn't want the liquid. The liquids that come from, again, these olives or the grapes, if you want the liquids, they tome. If you don't want those liquids, they are tahor. We see very clearly there's a distinction whether you want the liquid or not. Now, my love, now, now that, so, so that's, that's the price of this discussion between Rabbi Yehud and the Rabbonin, but the important the, the Rabbonin and Rabbi Akiva. But the important point for us is this baskets of grapes and olives. The rabbi says we see if you want it to come out, then they become tome. If you don't want them, shelobarotzon, then they do not make things susceptible to tuma and they cannot become. Says so now my love, lerotzon. What does lerotzon mean? Denechale that he does. He specifically wants the juice to come out and shelolerotzon. What does he doesn't want it? Bestama. He's not thinking about it. He has these olives in a bowl. He's not sure in a basket. He's not sure whether he's going to eat them or drink from it. If the juice comes out, that's shalol barot, and that's not that's where he that's not where he wants it. That's more in the line with where he doesn't want it. And just if we say buy olives and grapes, which are for squeezing primarily for making juice, if it's shalol on veloklum. They're not considered a drink. They don't make other things susceptible to tumor. And we would say the same thing. Well then, strawberries and pomegranates, which are not specifically for squeezing for their juices. How much more so? How much more so that the juices that just ooze out of these olives would not be considered a mashke? So again, so this Mishnah assumes that the liquid... It's liquids are specifically where you want them, then they get the status of liquid. But in Al Brysa, Rabbi Yehuda said, Stam, I, where you don't specify whether you want it or not. Mm-hmm.
Albrise, yeah, the brace we had on the bottom of the previous page said, whether you want it or not, it does not become Tomei. So, sorry, sorry, let me start this point again. My love, Lerotson, so, so our, this Mishnah, we've just said that Lerotson, when you want the fruit juice, that's when it is subject to the laws of Tumah, and it's considered a liquid. When you're not sure whether you want it or not, you haven't decided, well, then it's considered Shalolorotson, and it's not considered a liquid. So we would say the same thing in our previous sukkah. We would have extended it and said that Shalolorotson, that stum, if you don't specify whether you want the strawberries for juice or not, they should definitely not be considered liquid, and you should be allowed to have that juice on on. Uh, and you should be allowed to have that juice on Shabbos. How come there, Rebbe Yehuda said, Stam, if you haven't decided what it's for, you haven't specified, it is considered mashke. And here, this Mishnah clearly says not so. So the Gemara says, not necessarily, Lerotson, Bistama, you could say, where you want it is Bistama, Shaloi, Lerotson, the Galiadate, the Omar, Lonechali. One second, one second. Sorry. No, no. Lerotson bestamashel loy lerotson de galiadite de omar loy neicheli. No, lerotson means unspecified. He doesn't decide, he hasn't specified whether he wants it for liquid or for food, for the liquid or the food. And what's shelo lerotson? Where he specifies and he tells us that he doesn't want it. The Eboy's aim is shiny salazazam robin kibendili ibud kaima meikora afkurem afkilehi. Or you could say that this mission is not a, not a good reflection of the discussion here because they're stored in baskets. In baskets, the juice is just going to drip out. So clearly, it's a great expression of he doesn't want it. So basically, what we've said is, either you can say that stum in general, bazaisim va'anovim, would be... Um, sorry, shalolorotson would have to be where you specify that you don't want it. Stum or... You specify you want it would clearly make them into liquids, and that would agree with Rabbi Yehuda on the previous page. Or you can say that here, this mission here is discussing a case where the olives or etc. were in a basket where it's going to run out. Okay, we'll continue tomorrow.